Welcome to Almost 30. Welcome to Almost 30. Hello. <laughs> We're so glad you're here. If you're new, what's up? If you guys are Danielle Laporte fans, welcome. So glad you're here. We are also on YouTube, by the way. So depending on how you like to take in your podcast, we also have video available wearing the same thing for the fifth time in a row. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> uh, today's a really special day. I was actually talking to Krista. I was like, for years, mm-hmm. you know, we've been really always follow Danielle and um, have been inspired by her and just really consider her such a a leader and a mentor. And she doesn't know she's a mentor to us, but it's one of those moments that I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I just feel so grateful and so lucky. And this conversation today is incredibly powerful. It's so fire. Lindsay has on her notes, let's go there. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, we were- so we take our notes during our interviews. We'll write down words that we kind of want to come back to revisit something that we want to go, go in on. And sometimes we'll just like write things. And Lindsay wrote, underlined, let's go there. <laughs> when we were like in our interview, because she was like wanting to really go there. And I saw you do that. I was like, okay, let's go there. <laughs> and we did, truly we did. And yeah, I had um desire map from Danielle yeah. when I moved to Los Angeles five years ago. And it was just profound. I was mm-hmm. like, making goals based on how I feel? <laughs> what? And not based on like everyone else's uh, idea of what my goal should be? What? Yeah, she's- That's when I stopped trying to do a marathon as a goal. Oh, Literally, I was like, because on my goals, every year I'd be like, run a marathon, run a marathon. Then I was like, wait, I don't give a fuck about a marathon. (laughs) I actually want to have knees when I'm 60. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I actually had white hot truth when I first moved to LA, Mm -hmm. which is, um, you know, also a great one. And this was really- focused on keeping the clarity around your spiritual path. Because I think especially in a place like LA, you can be kind of thrown a lot of things that are guised as spiritual and they're not necessarily for you. Um, And they're just demonic. Yeah. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) They're actually darkness. But it can get really confusing and all of a sudden you can end up like with, you know. Oh, if it's bringing you away from yourself. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You can have like five gurus and you're like, I'm confused. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. So in this episode with Danielle, it is just so powerful. We talk about Christ consciousness. We talk about how she's doing um, during these times. We talk about atonement and devotion. We talk about saving the children, something Mm -hmm. that is super important. And we're glad that we could dig into. We talk about leadership. It's just so much medicine in this episode. So much medicine. She also talks about how she's kind of leaning out her spiritual menu, which I really loved. And she kind of thinks, she believes like in this time, which I really related to, it's like we are really entering the age of Aquarius. We're kind of entering this this portal of a new way of existing. And so we really kind of have to drop a lot of shit (laughs) before we move on. And so I really loved talking about that. We talk about the Course in Miracles and other texts and teachings that she's really um, found to be incredibly helpful and supportive and heart opening. We talk about uh, righteousness. We talk about how we use distraction as to not feel what is truly real. Mm -hmm. I really loved how she was, she said a few times during the interview, just this idea of feeling her own suffering, feeling like kind Mm -hmm. of those... Those, those feelings that we all don't want to feel, but she's like, I actually am able to kind of expand my ability to feel the joy because I felt mm-hmm. the sadness and, and suffering. Yeah, I loved too when you said something about, you know, everything that's going on in the world right now, people often cannot handle anything else. And she was saying that that means that we haven't dealt with what we have. And I think that was so true. Because yeah. I even do that. Like even this year, I'm like, I can, like I've been like praying. I'm like, I cannot handle mm-hmm. anything else, mm-hmm. which is hilarious to say to to God or universe. Be like, they're like, okay. <laughs> they're like, so do you want to stop? I know, honestly. <laughs> they're like, uh, should we send in the Green Reaper? <laughs> they're like, do you want to put your human membership on pause? <laughs> I know, honestly. <laughs> do you want to take a nap for a long time? I've got you. We're going to take a big old break. And also too, they're like, they're like, you don't have to do this shit. Yeah. 
Literally, they're like, what here am I asking you to do? None of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking, whatever. But also this year, I've been like, oh, I can't take any more. And it is so true. It's because I wasn't dealing with what I had had or what was in front of me or the traumas yeah. that were were happening in the year. And it was like, ah, oh, wow. You can't take any more when you haven't dealt with what is there. Yes. Which is so powerful. So, so powerful. I'm very excited to share this with you all. I know, me too. Really There's excited. also one other thing she said that I thought was really beautiful. Um, she's like, and she just said this casually. Um, she said, I live a reflective life which is really beautiful because you can feel like the container of her life. And like Mm -hmm. when she talks about it too, like the self-reflective nature and the thoughtfulness and the consciousness is just really powerful and co-creative and just, it's it's cool. Mm. Yeah. On that point, she said it like gave her more patience Mm -hmm. to really like, yeah, take on more, but also not, feel like she needs to rush through life. Yes. I loved, loved that so much. So yeah, of course you can get any one of Danielle's incredible books, White Hot Truth, Desire Map. She has the Firestarter sessions and she also has a membership. It's mm-hmm. called Heart Centered. Yep. She really has powerful. her planner too, like Desire Map planner. So she made it into a planner for the year, which actually I want to get that because yeah. that would be really, I need to come back to a planner instead of using my my notes app. Yeah, you guys are going to love this one. So if this has inspired you, if you felt like something in here was so powerful and helpful and just resonated with you or you found it interesting, would love for you to share. Would love for you to share this with someone that needs to hear it, just the medicine that they need, Mm -hmm. whether they're interested in spirituality, wellness, self-development, this is it. Yeah. Uh, And you can learn more. She has a podcast, there's meditations, all the things at Danielle Laporte. Dot com. And just a brief update on Almost 30. Uh, we have our new Paradigm series continued and we just have a wonderful lineup. Um, coming Upcoming next is Kiki Robinson. She is doing a workshop on learning how to do tarot yourself and also learning how to channel. Mm-hmm. She is our go-to healer. She's a dear friend and she's one of the most powerful people I've ever worked with. So her knowledge and understanding of tarot is really, really interesting and helpful for anyone that's new or anyone that really wants to dig into their decks more and then channeling how to do it safely, how to connect to your guides, Mm -hmm. how to, what it is. I think there's just a lot for us to learn there. There are also our November workshops, which are incredible. We have breath work with Jenna Reese. We have journaling with Ngozi. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's going to be a special one. It's on you know self-love, self-care. And I just think as women, it's, it's a really powerful way to express ourselves through writing mm-hmm. and something that maybe we resist or don't make time for. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And we have Josie from 11 Healing is going to do light language. Mm-hmm. So Josie from 11 Healing, I've been healed by, I've been healed you know, I've done a healing session with her. She's actually Milana Snow's healer who's mm-hmm. from London. So she's from London and she did a womb awakening with our community in Malibu last year. And it is going to be a light language transmission and healing session, um, which is incredibly powerful. Her, you know, light language healing sessions are one of a kind. Light language is fascinating. And I think it's going to be really, really cool. Yeah. So you can learn more at almost30.com slash new paradigm. And of course we have our shop. So shopalmost30.com has past workshops that are available for purchase now, as well as really valuable downloadables. We have our inner peace downloadable and course of sorts, but I think it's like this support system to really help you find and cultivate that inner peace. And I think it's the best time to be doing that, um, as well as a ton of other things like our merch, uh, which is sustainable, eco-friendly, designed by Danny of Daisy LA. And I think you're going to love it. Yeah. Shopalmost30.com. And then everything else is Almost 30 Podcast. YouTube is Almost 30 Podcast to see Danielle's beautiful face. Mm-hmm. Almost 30 Podcast on Instagram. And we are every Tuesday and Thursday. And we appreciate you joining us. Yeah. Thanks so much. Enjoy this one and we'll see you on the other side. See you soon. We can even just roll into it and even just continue our conversation that we were just having, having, but um, about, you know, some of the unraveling of this year and some of the, the, the changes that are happening and some of the inescapability of 
of the transitions we're going through and how are you navigating it? How, how have you managed to maintain your own inner sense of peace through all this chaos? It's difficult, but that's the course. <laughs> that's it. It's like peace is easy when there's stability. <laughs> it's hard when there's instability. So I feel like like at the beginning of 2020, when everything became clear, decision is shelter in place and, you know, all the upheaval. Like I went, I'm just like, I'm going to use this. This is my practice. This is the call. I'm not going to avoid this. So I just went straight into like considering my death mm. and like just started kind of there. Like, what if I die? And then you consider children's soul, all of that. So you just like deal with that. And then the next level is like, okay, what do I need to let go of? What is so not working? And then, then the next level is like, what is, where's all the fear and the terror and shame and more fear and terror. And so it's just been this big shedding and my meta perspective of like, this is a passage you believe what you want. I believe mm-hmm. this is a passage. We are entering a portal mm-hmm. in every possible way. This is an energetic, literal, every dimension kind of portal that we're going into. It's been a long time coming, like 2,000 years coming. This is an, an epoch, you know? And that to get through the portal, to really be reborn, reinvented, find solutions, we have to let some stuff go. Like, it's narrow. What are you going to let go of? And the answer for me with that, for myself, and then, you know, be righteous enough to, like, apply it to humanity, (laughs) is, like, really, really, I think this is the call to forgive. Mm. Mm. Because, you know, like, I'm having this kind of conversation with people who are, like, different different times in their life, different chapters, different perspectives. You know, you know, you know, you know, we've got all these perspectives colliding. And I can tell them what I think is going on. And then the conversation always gets to this point where, which I'm sure we're headed today, is like, well, what do we do? Mm-hmm. And I say, get right with God and garden. Mm-hmm. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> Laughing because that's been like part of some conversations yes. we've had recently. Mm-hmm. And I just find it so so comforting to un- to realize that there is there is a positive group think you know there is kind of this like as we get or maybe it was forced to our own like nature we're kind of being pulled to like i want to be barefoot on the grass mm-hmm. i want to like simplify things i want to be connected to god my creator i want to be connected to plants and living things mm-hmm. Okay, where do I want to go from there? It's like what I heard you say in like kind of deconstructing and looking at death. It's like kind of felt like as the layers came off, I kind of felt you become more alive. Mm -hmm. And I wonder like, Mm -hmm. you know, I wonder what that relationship is as you see it with death that the collective has. And are we just walking around kind of like dying a little bit because we're doing things that we don't want to do. We're in Mm -hmm. relationships that aren't good for us. So what have you learned kind of about the collective relationship with death as you've explored your own? Mm -hmm. Well, there's two arms to that. So there's the collective relationship with death, which is really about our relationship with impermanence. And we have a really poor dysfunctional relationship with impermanence. And this is the ultimate, ultimate. And it's just going to get like uppercase, bold, italicized, underlined, ultimate relationship with impermanence. We want everything to last. We want love. We want relationships Mm -hmm. that last forever. We Mm -hmm. want our identity to be really fixed so that we'll be loved. So there's, you know, we're so uncomfortable with uncertainty and we identify with all of this stuff outside of ourselves. I mean, this is very Buddhist, right? Like the source of suffering is identification. Let let me say that differently. The source of suffering is misidentification. Mm. So we identify with our small self and our ego, and then the ego does all these things and we waste our lives and meaningless and handbags and all this other bullshit. Mm. 
But that is so married to impermanence because you can't control anything. I can't control who's going to love me or call me things or be there for me or be reliable. Oh my God, people's unreliability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so surfacing right now. Yeah. Because they're in pain, you know. Yes. Well, everybody's in pain. Yes. I include myself in all of this. And then, so so that's our relationship to death. And then I think, like, what's our relationship to life? Mm-hmm. And why do we want to stand barefoot in the grass now? And why do we want to have real conversations? Oh, my God. I'm just, like, so grateful to have real conversations right now. Mm-hmm. It's more real than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Yes. Although it's getting more dangerous. Yes. So our relationship to what is permanent, the only thing that's permanent is love. The only thing that's real is higher consciousness, is higher love, is the infinite, is source. And the unreal, the ego, the small self will do anything to not come into that light. So, you know, what I heard from a lot of just like earnest, loving, seeking people at the beginning of this year was like, I really hope this wakes us up and we don't fall back asleep when things go back to normal. Oh my gosh, that's that's the prayer. That is a version of awakenedness right there, like, you know. And and then then you, you know the layers are it was never normal and we're not we're definitely not going back. I have more space now for suffering. Mm-hmm. And I'm not as judgmental about my own suffering. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm a loser for being in pain. I have so much more compassion for how painful this is. So difficult for myself. Just like, I just got to start there, you know? And then that connects me to everybody else. I feel more courageous. I feel more vast. I feel more loving. I feel more fucked up and broken. I feel very steady. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you are steady in my unsteadiness. <laughs> yeah, you are s- steady medicine. That is for sure. You said earlier you mentioned forgiveness is the way. Mm-hmm. And I want to pick that. I want to kind of like break that Please. apart a little bit. Why is forgiveness the way? Because not forgiving is, it keeps you in the dark. It's the, let's, here's the oversimplified, but this is it. Not forgiving is the opposite of love. And love really is a cure. Love will affect how you vote. Love will affect public policy. Love will affect, you know, weapons licenses. Love will affect how what we do in, with parks and recreation boards. This is it. The love is co- higher consciousness. We're in, you know, and we're moving into, and this is very esoteric, but like mm-hmm. you're down for this. Like yes. this is the age of Aquarius. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to subscribe to Tibetan, Sanskrit, astrology, anything. This is a new era. And the only way we get through this, the call is together. This is about unity consciousness. You cannot be unified if you haven't forgiven someone. Mm. You can't be unified or aware of your light, your compassion, your inclusiveness, your joy, if you have not forgiven yourself. And that every mystic has been talking about this. But now the mother life is putting a really fine point on it, on it right now. And this is where, you know, what, what do people do at the hour of their death? They forgive. You're off the hook. I mean, you're, you're curmudgeonly kind of racist grandfather who was cutting everybody out of the will has a dawning experience because of fear or love or feeling closer to the light and just says, I'm sorry, I love you. He does the whole Onopono prayer. He doesn't even know it. (laughs) I'm sorry. Thank you. I love you. (laughs) And and atones. There's Mm -hmm. also something about atonement here. Like atonement and forgiveness go hand in hand. You know, I was like, Went to Catholic school, Catholic ethic, and same, same, right? (laughs) And doesn't the the idea of like, I'm sure you had to go to confession, confess your sins. That's what I'm working on in therapy right now. Mm. (laughs) The hangover for Mm -hmm. me, I can tell you. So, how old are you now? I'm 32, 33. Okay, I can tell you, I am 
I'd say like end of my 40s was still unpacking the imprint of Catholic programming on my system. And I thought I was over it because I was all metaphysical and I'd been doing my Buddhist this and my Buddhist that. But basically what it, what the the boiling down for me was God is going to punish me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is what just the... I think one of the most twisted things we do with kids in religion specifically is we send them to confession mm-hmm. when they're, how old were we when we started going to confession? I don't ten, know. Eight, I think I was like eight nine. or nine or 10. Yeah, I'll never forget it. And did you, I made up stories. Same. I made up everything. Really? I was like telling the truth, but a limited <laughs> amount. But I was just like, you guys, I was I like, was like um, I, I cut mine back. <laughs> I was not telling the whole thing. I was like, I stole from my sister and I yelled uh, yelled at my mom. And I was like, I'm not going to tell him that I did this. Thing. <laughs> so I only told him, and that made me feel even worse. Because mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, I was in here saying all these things. Yeah. And I didn't even tell him everything. Can you imagine if they knew everything that I did? Either way, you're hooped. You exactly. cannot win. You cannot win. And then you're comparing yourselves to the people in the bench next to you because they're saying five Hail Marys and you have 10 Hail Marys. Yeah. And so that's creating a, a weird situation of things. And, and there's like an identification with like, others have to forgive you and then yes. you are absolved in good yes. rather than actually being like, I forgive myself for yelling at my mom. Yep. You know, like there is like- There's a power transfer. There's a power, and, yeah. And that's, that's healthy atonement. I forgive myself for yelling at my mom. So in all the things we have to throw overboard and let go of and burn down to get through this passage, we are, I think we're also being called to atone. So, but I, I have such a different relationship to it now, thanks to lots of therapy and A Course of Miracles. And, and this year where- I will say like, so I'm a student of A Course in Miracles. So I use the language, Holy Spirit. You could say the infinite, you could, whatever you want. And uh, a couple times a week, I will offer my sins. I'm putting that in quotes for anybody who's just listening to that up to the infinite. And here's the beauty of it is, is so the word sin is really means to miss the mark. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you're a fool and you deserve punishment and you're awful and you're devolved. It just means you were off the mark. So I, I kind of do this inventory of my day or my week to see where I missed the mark because we know when we're missing the mark because we're, we have a conscience. And, then, and so I see it and seeing it is actually loving. Mm-hmm. It's light. I am like pouring my awareness, which just gets, it just increases when I see all the ways I was off the mark. And then that awareness, that willingness, then I can I can pour compassion on all that. Like, wow, that was a little bit of a shit talk I did there. That's not the real me. That's not the real me. I was faking me. I was I I, I for that moment I stepped outside of my heart. I stepped outside of my connection to something higher, and I talked shitty about somebody. I no longer feel like I'm, I should be punished for those things. I just feel, saw it, got it. Please take this heaviness from me. And because I'm, I, I'm committed to love, I'm going to commit to not do that again. I'm going to do better next time. Mm-hmm. And that is going to help me get through this pass. Mm-hmm. That is helping me get mm-hmm. through this passage. <laughs> Loving awareness. Yes. It's also in the book, The Game of Life and How to Play It. I think she probably pulled from Course in Miracles when she she says to cast jealousy, envy, disdain to the Christ within. So casting that thing that is, you know, that needs atonement to the Christ within you that exists, that is there to forgive and love you, um, which I've been doing lately, which has been really powerful. is like understanding the Christ self, like the, the part of you that is Christ, the part of you that exists, that is connected to Jesus and God. I think it's useful to talk about the just the distinction between Jesus, the person, and Christ, mm. consciousness. So Jesus was a man, so his last name wasn't Christ. This is like super simple. Let's get this done. Jesus, uh, be, Jesus be Christ. <laughs> right, right. He was Jesus the Christ. He was Jesus the Christed. 
So this was a man who embodied and taught Christ consciousness. Mm. So this is the Christ. Christ consciousness is the Christ within. Christ consciousness is love. Christ consciousness is the heart space. Christ consciousness is all inclusive. Everything's in. Your shadow's in. Your fear is in. Your sinfulness in, is in. That the, the person you don't agree with, how they're voting, they're in. Your magnificence is in. Your, your create, you know, your ultimate creative impeccability, that's mm-hmm. in. Your godliness, I'm pointing to everybody listening and watching, that is in. Like ev- there's space for everything. And in that space, all gets brought into balance. The bits of darkness, the huge amounts of light, like that yin yang symbol, mm-hmm. you know, that's Christ consciousness. How did you, or did you have a moment where, because I can imagine in Catholic school, it might've kind of walked you in the other direction mm-hmm. away from like God and worship. So was there a, a time or a moment in your life that you decided to kind of walk back in that direction? To walk back to? To God, having a relationship with God, or have you always? Oh, always. Mm. But just looking in so many different places. And then I went on like a big kind of guru bender. And by and, and that was like, everybody was going to tell me something, a version of the truth or tell me what to do. Like, I'm in that now, I think. <laughs> I think that's where I am now. <laughs> I think, you know, if just approach it as like social research. Like I used to watch, you know, when I watch like a shitty, you know, pop culture movie, or I'd be like, I'm going to watch the latest Julia Roberts film. And I just say to my friends, it's research, social research. Love that. And then I would say the thing, like, I'm going to go to this Tantra workshop and be like, social research. <laughs> and, um, and now I'm down, my diet is so slim in terms of like what I take in uh, with everything, with news, with, well, I'll say the menu is decreasing. So like I've got about five kinds of teachings I'm interested in. And the rest, like, I just, you know, I just want to go deep with certain things. Yeah. And what are those teachings? Uh, Course in Miracles really works for me. And part of the reason it works for me is because it's Christ consciousness centric. And because it does have that language that is very familiar to Christianity. And I am programmed. I mean, I'm working on deprogram, deprogramming myself, but like either I could commit to being, I, I will never commit to being a thing, but like I could commit to the Buddhist path and there's a lot in there for me, but really esoterica and Christ consciousness, it just, it's the glove that I fit into because of how I incarnated. Like, what can I say? It's just like, yes. it's, you know, it's, it's my first, it's my, my original language. So of course the miracles really works for me. Um, I'm really getting into right now, more hermetic philosophy. Cool. This is like really high esoteric stuff about like triplicity and, mm-hmm. and, and dark versus light. And, Oh God, I love mm-hmm. it. I will always love Krishnamurti. Mm. He's, he is hard ass about stuff. Just, you can't be, you can't want comfort if you go to Krishnamurti. Mm-hmm. You just got to take the truth, be compassionate with yourself. <laughs> Love that. And, and, yeah. but, but everybody I'm interested in, in one way or another, is talking about love. Mm-hmm. It's just Krishnamurti's path to love is ruthless. Mm. I am... I covered Hermetics, um, Manly P. Hall, mm. high esoteric stuff. Yeah. I'm just so interested right now in that balance between light and dark and illumination. And I have my practices, you know, like I ha- I'm, <sighs> I don't, I don't, I don't like to call myself a vegan, a meditator, a this. But I meditate. I have a super rich prayer practice. My prayer used to be this form of negotiation. 
Like I'm thinking positively and I'm doing my work. Can I get what I want? Mm. Am I good? Am I good enough? Yes. Yeah. Am I good enough to get what's on my That's vision? That's that Catholic board? baby. Mm-hmm. Catholic baby. Mm-hmm. And new age. Mm-hmm. Yes. The dark yeah. side of the new age movement. When I think of you, I really think that you were, at least in my experience, like one of the first people to talk about like the dark side of new age mm-hmm. and you're not, mm-hmm. not like blatantly being like it's there are dark darkness, but there was just like this, this thoughtful contemplation around what we are being thrown on our spiritual path and to have the awareness to be our own filtration system, to have our heart be our own filtration system. Mm-hmm. So one, I thank you for that because mm-hmm. <laughs> I read white hot truth, like before really like arriving in LA and um, it was a manual of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering like, yeah, I, I would love to kind of put it in the context of today yeah. and how you feel, you know, the keeping the clarity on that path, why it is so important today in 2020. Oh, because we are in the midst of spiritual warfare. And there's no other way, like, for me, I just want to call it for what it is. We're in a crisis of morality. Ethics are just disintegrated. This has been happening for decades, and it's been prophesized and and all of that. I mean, beyond Christianity or any, like, this is, these are the eras, right? These 2000, the age of Pisces, the age of Aquarius. You're moving from the golden age, you know, you go from the golden age to the silver age. We're we're moving out of the Iron Age into a whole new age. This really is meant to be, and I think will be, the age of enlightenment. It's just really messy, cleaning up our stuff. This is a big global colonic. <laughs> that we're in. But this is, I mean, just look at the polarization. Mm-hmm. We are, it's a battlefield. Mm-hmm. You can't, I can't use certain hashtags on social without getting associated with insanity. Yes. Yes. Um, I can't like everybody is looking. So let me take that back. So many people are looking for a fight. And I believe that like all the fires that are happening right now are, you know, as above, so below inner outer, the body of the mother is on fire because we are burning with rage. Mm -hmm. All of these you know, and, and so much of the, you know, like this, the, the, the struggle, oh my God, so justified, so called for, so overdue, but we have to engage in that struggle with our highest intention. Like we are here as warriors of love. I'm even sensitive about using the term warrior, but like we're, we're, we are stand for inclusiveness. We're, we are a stand that everybody comes from the same source. We're a stand for, like, we will give refuge to those who are lost. And and one of the things, you know, that you speak out on, which is really important, and, you know, even talking about, like, you using the hashtags and sometimes being afraid to do that is around, you know, the child trafficking and saving the children. And it's really unfortunate that, you know, we've even come to realize how that's attached or people attach that to the QAnon movement, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, the QAnon has that as part of its movement, but there's so much more legitimacy that needs to be given to saving the children outside of that movement. And it's really unfortunate that people use QAnon to discredit the importance of child sex trafficking and pedophilia and all these things. And we've seen it and it's so disheartening. And seeing your work around it has been incredibly inspiring for both of us. So I wanted to talk about, you know, your journey with really leaning into that as something that you see needs great attention. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that this morning because somebody just texted me and said, you know, I'm concerned that you use the save the children hashtag and the Q movement. And I just want to say, what? Like really? Literally what? So there's, there's, there's a couple things that are like super unsettling. One is there's the association with Q and something that's really legitimate and horrific being co-opted by that. That's its own kind of topic. What I'm more interested in is where someone's thinking goes when you hold up this issue to them that is long-standing, 
pervasive, fucking horrific, and actually on the rise as a result of the pandemic. And this is how, you know, and, and the horrificness of it is because this all has to do with the most innocent beings on the planet. And that someone chooses to just not even look at it, to invalidate it, to maybe at best put it on pause in order to pick a fight. Now, this the, the argument over here about Q may be totally legit, but it's 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 like having this argument about who started a, a burning house when there's children inside. We just got to get the kid. We got to get the kids out. I'm interested in intellectual, even ac- academically informed social dialogue around all topics. Can we have an intellectual, heart inform- heart centered conversation? So. When someone sends me something like, you can use a hashtag, I'm just like, well, I can't use that hashtag anymore, unfortunately, because it's been co-opted. But my journey with this topic is I feel some regret. I feel regret that I used to be the a co-director of the Department of Social Inventions for the Body Shop Canada. And we raised all this awareness and funding about orphanages, orphans in Romania. And I spent some time working at orphanages in Romania. And I knew that the fate of these children was, was to be sex trafficked once they got out of the orphanage. And I was in it my early 20s. And I put that in my pocket because I want to go build my career. I didn't let it affect me enough. Mm. Then, you know, we jump cut. We're 10 years down into my career. I'm the executive director of a Washington, D.C.-based future studies think tank. I'm looking at how global trends converge and collide. I'm like, writing white papers, shepherding thinking to the Pentagon. And I was given the privilege of being able to tour, have a private tour of the Center for Missing and Exploited Children. I was actually hiring their fundraiser. I was going to poach their fundraiser so he would work for us. And I saw things in that afternoon and heard things. I mean, you don't sleep. It que- you question reality when you find out what's being done children. And there's a difference between missing children and exploited children. And of course they, they're, you know, they converge and I put it in my pocket. And now my, my prayer is that instead of picking fights about conspiracy, which is a legitimate discussion, but instead of turning that into more division and distraction, Mm -hmm. I really wish that we could just let it land and be with the pain and see what's happening. It, it doesn't matter why that why it's coming up. Mm-hmm. It's that something very true and very real is coming up. And it's part of this new era. And it's part of the awakening of human consciousness mm-hmm. right now. So don't don't I don't want to have a conversation mm-hmm. about Q stuff. And that I want to have the conversation about now's the time. Look, look, at, look at everything that's coming up to the surface. Political division, climate change. We really have to have this discussion about if there's climate change, climate change. And now, and now the issue, the topic of child trafficking and abuse is just part of that wave of increased consciousness. We just put our arms around that and then do what needs to be done. And I, and I really feel in my, the center of my center that so much is a distraction mm-hmm. from this issue and that if we could unite if we could unite around the most horrible thing happening all other issues would be served mm-hmm. you know we unite around human trafficking we see each other's commonalities mm-hmm. And that heals so many other things. We see how ecology has to, um, you know, the disparities. And so in, in the, ri- the uprising of the awareness around this topic and me essentially waking up to a greater degree and re-engaging, I actually feel some remorse for not have, de- de- not have been doing something sooner. I mean, I've been supporting Eve Ensler's organization with V-Day that helps disenfranchised 
women, it's not enough. I haven't been doing enough. I haven't planted enough trees. I haven't helped enough kids get out of human trafficking rings. I haven't, you know, I just, here I am. And I won't won't stop now. Mm. I kept getting chills Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. Yeah, it's... It's it's almost, you know, there's something, some part of me that's like the collective cannot, believes that it cannot handle that pain. And it's almost like it's it's orbiting a lot of people, the idea and, and awareness of it and knowing it to be true. But like you said, it's not landing because people are staying so distracted in whatever. So that is not completely landing in their system. Because when you really, like you said, open your eyes up to the grave trauma that we are experiencing through our children, it is, it takes a while to really work that through your system because it mm-hmm. is so dark. It's it's so dark, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. And so cognitive dissonance just yes. kicks right in. Mm-hmm. I went for a walk in the park a couple weeks ago with a friend. So this is a a very bright entrepreneurial male. I was telling him about this, the work, we were talking about this topic of child trafficking. You know, and there's two clear ways children are trafficked. One is just essentially for slave slave labor, labor, and then one is for sex trafficking. And I told him what I'd learned from a really legit on the ground organization that I'm aligning with in Vancouver, Ally Global. And that I want to help this organization design campaigns that people can really wrap their arms around us to be like, because you can't just say, you know, give a hundred dollars a month to save children. We have to, it's, it's, it's more galvanizing to say, we're going to raise $500,000 for a house that helps 10 children that have been rescued from traffic sex rings to be educated and have therapy and good food. And so I let him know that in the conversations I've been having about even just what's happening in my province, that um, we could easily, easily create homes for children that have been sex trafficked who are three years old. Mm. Three years old, we could fill, we could find 30 spots to have those children have therapy and be properly nurtured and all those. And he couldn't, he couldn't, mm. couldn't make the connection. He couldn't go from, and I love him deeply and we keep talking about it, but it's like, he he, he just got stuck on, this is it. Everybody listen, because we all have had this moment. He just got stuck on, how could somebody do that? Mm-hmm. And I said, darling, <laughs> lots of people do it to lots of children. We got to look at it. And you got to get, you got, your heart's got to break and you got to write a check and you need to talk about it. So this is worse than arson. This is, there's a, I don't know, I don't know what. Yeah, there's like a, a protective mechanism that we have as human beings. And I, I don't even know like, to not let things like this affect us because we have this like story that we we're already dealing with so much. Mm-hmm. And it's like this righteousness that I I feel like has been magnified from my point of view, at least lately. And, you know, I guess my fear too is kind of like that builds frustration and then we are unproductive. Well, this is such a great point. This is such a great point because there's that one where the one line of thinking of we're already I'm already dealing with with so much. Mm-hmm. And that's coming from a place of you actually haven't dealt with your stuff. Wow, big facts. If you yes. deal with your stuff, you increase your capacity to handle your own suffering and other people's suffering. Yes. Right? And then there's the I'm already dealing with too much, which is with, with so much, which is if you could in that moment, this really takes courage and skill and love. If you could in that moment say, I'm already dealing with so much. You take a breath 
And then you would say, but for your sake, I'm going to take this on. That's unity. That's not overgiving. That's not a lack of boundaries. That's like, I got room for your pain. And when I make room for your pain, I'm generating so much more love and inclusiveness and higher consciousness that I start to heal by being of service. Everything we Mm -hmm. crave is in the seva. It's in the service. And this is why, you know, so many of us in this entrepreneurial boss lady space have got it very wrong. Mm. You know, and I I put in that same area for myself for like super analysis and atonement and a bit of regret. I didn't need the shoes. I didn't need the car. I didn't, and I know people listening to be like, yeah, but you got the shoes and you got the car. Yeah, I did. And wrong priorities. I'm like not totally down on myself because I've also, you know, I celebrate, like I am a stand for love and I've been working to raise consciousness like the whole while. And part of this, you know, back to what you were saying at the top of the conversation about, you know, our feet on the ground is like, we are, so many of us are waking up to the craving for simplicity mm-hmm. and just want to let so much actual physical stuff go. So forgive, garden, and give your shit away to people who need it. I'm good. I got, you know, I've given away so much stuff, which, you know, I'm not saying I'm a, it doesn't make me a better person, but I just don't want mm-hmm. anything in the way I used to want it. I got a good pair of jeans. I'm good. I don't, I no longer think that a particular pair of jeans is going to make me look so hot and so together that I'm going to meet the love of my life because of those jeans. Or you're going to think I'm more of a baller or more enlightened because of those fucking jeans. I don't think like that anymore. (laughs) But does that not define so much of the journey? Yeah. Especially, yeah, in the in the new age spiritual stuff, so much of it is that. And we're kind of awakening to that a little bit more so too, just being really deep in. You know, you first get in and you kind of are like, wow, all the shiny things, all of the modalities, all of the healers, all of the things, all of the gurus like you talked about. And then you kind of get to the point where Christ consciousness, in this case, like comes to the surface or God comes to the surface and everything else kind of just clears out. Mm-hmm. Um, for your relationships during this time, like how have those kind of evolved or transitioned or are you finding yourself having deeper conversations? Are you finding you're letting people go? How has that been? All of the above. I feel, you know, so many of us are in so much pain. We're not keeping in touch. Mm. It's actually an unhealthy response. Yes. Your darkness will want to keep you away from what's healing. So you're not, we're not reaching out to each other. You know, I've got some friends right now. I'm just like, why aren't you calling? And it's not because I need you to call me. I mean, sometimes, yeah, I totally need you to call me. Fucking check in. But like, oh, she's in a rough spot. That's why she hasn't called. So I got to get over myself and reach out. I feel more flexible and more empathy I, I, than I ever have. I feel I've got more space for people I used to vehemently disagree with. Mm. Yeah. Like, wow, you might have been right. Oh, and like, <laughs> wow, it's really something to be said for center yeah. right now. Yeah. And if I wasn't more spacious, I would have no friends. I mean, some friends are, you know, we're aligned on, on perspective and then they're like, don't wear a mask. And I'm like, oh, you had me up until that. And then some people are like, I'm like, oh, you had me up until that. And it's like, whatever. I love you. Mm -hmm. I'm losing friends because of stances I'm taking on things. You know, I gave my opinion in the new year about what I thought about this pandemic, but it does. I don't think the pandemic's a hoax, by the way. Mm -hmm. I think the virus itself is very real. It's an entity into uh, in, in and of itself needs to be addressed. I think it's very dangerous. And do I think our civil liberties are strategically being stripped? Yes. For me, both are true. But I can really disagree with you. And I can have a range of responses. I can feel sympathy for you. I can pity you. 
<laughs> I can not want to talk to you, but really my job is to just be like, cool. You're still, we still come from the same source and I have space and you could be right. Mm-hmm. And I could mm-hmm. be very wrong. And let's get really clear. Nobody knows what the truth is. So really, we're going we're gonna to fight to the mat. Are we going to start podcasts just on taking people down <laughs> because they have a different, like, yes, really? Mm-hmm. Be careful. You will become what you fight. Yes. Yeah. Truest thing I've heard all yeah. year. I think, yeah. Yeah, the transitioning of relationships has been interesting because I feel like I've changed so many opinions on so many things in the past year. And now it's made me so much more humble to the truth and so much more humble to both sides or if there are both sides, you know, whatever's going on. I feel like it's just, I know less about than I did before. So it's- Yeah, you saying that just made me think, me, reminded me why in moments where I've been in conversations where I feel like I have to like defend something even, but I get confused because I'm like, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't have the words for it. I don't necessarily have like that fire that the other person has because I'm like, but actually like, do we know? And it's just, yeah. That's, I, that's wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, so mm-hmm. to say, I, I don't know. And the next layer of wisdom, or I would say like, not the next layer, but like the 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 yin and the yang of that wisdom is intellectually to just say, I don't know. It's so messed up. I don't know. And then the 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 yin of that is what do I feel intuitively? And and part of what's so agonizing about our social discourse right now is there's no space anymore to say, it doesn't feel right to me. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I was suspicious about this or this just isn't, why would I do that to my body or why, or I've never lived this way, or that's not the compassionate thing to do like that. Anything that gets labeled as soft, my God, I mean, it is no space for it. Mm-hmm. When the irony, the tragedy is that all that softness is the medicine for these times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the, um, I think the fight or flight is kind of the shield up, contract, mm-hmm. hardness. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think I know you're right in that sense where it's like, I mean, people, we've talked to a lot of people in this space and <laughs> number one like thing they say to do it during this time, just meditate. And I know that's kind of like a blanket statement, but it's like, it is finding that peace. It is finding that center. Mm-hmm. It is it is looking at both. Mm-hmm. Yes. And meditate, that is the light. Like my belief is like when we're in that meditative state, not always, not for everybody, but this is the intention. Like we are in the space of the true reality. Mm-hmm. So to meditate right now is to just get out of this Maya and all of this illusion yes. and really get to what's real, mm-hmm. which is consciousness and love. And like, I have one friend, you know, we ran into each other on, this, on the corner, they were corner the other day. And I was like, your name's Glynis. I'm like, Glynis, it's a fucking jungle out there. <laughs> <laughs> and I can say that to her because she just like, she's off. She's unplugged. Mm. She's, you know, she's doing an hour in the morning and an hour before med- bed of meditation. That's her way. It's beyond coping. This is her way of being. And I had to ask, you know, I struggle with this. This, I mean, this is my big thing. This is part of the Catholic hangover. Like I have thought in all these times of just dropping out. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, yep. Well, I was just like, either my path is completely drop out of the race, move, move off and just be or continue on. And that's what the dark wants. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I agree. I think, but you know what? Two different people mm-hmm. in this space could ask that question and have two different right answers. So like yes. for some of us who want to drop out, maybe the answer is yes. That's the most healing thing to do. That is soul alignment. That is higher action. Forget it. And then some of us, the higher action is to stay. Like my analysis has been, I am built a certain way. I have certain gifts. 
I think I'm better. I am of more use alive than I am dead right now. (laughs) I think I am more useful to the cause to keep doing what I'm doing until I'm instructed otherwise Mm -hmm. or until, until the infinite takes me, Mm -hmm. you know, and who knows what it's going to look like in two years. I mean, heaven on earth. That's what it will be, honey. Heaven on earth. But I was thinking, I had the same thought too. And I was like, oh, and then I, you know, had the the drop in. It was like, well, these are why you have these gifts. You know, these gifts prepared you to be in this place to do this light warriorship or this light, you know, consciousness. But yeah, I mean, I think so many people have thought about that. Just being Mm -hmm. like, all right, this is hard enough. Let's, let's just take a lap. But (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Just, let's take a lap. Let's take a, 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 a year nap. <laughs> yeah. Last question for me. I I'm curious as a public figure, you know, what your what your evolution and understanding of leadership has been mm. as of late. You know, we see I don't really watch the news that much, but we see a lot of leaders stand up there you know, kind of like pedestal leaders. And I'm just like really, I guess, confused as a a leader in our own little ecosystem here at Almost 30. I'm like, man, oh man, like where can I find some like dope leaders (laughs) who are, are, are really understanding what true leadership is. So I'd love to just talk to you about that. My metaphor for leadership is you have to lead like the sun. Mm -hmm. So the sun, like everything it shines upon gets included. If you, if you have a, if you're a leader with a constituency, you have to take care of the people who are clearly crazy and the people who are clearly making more of a contribution than anybody else of the thieves and the givers. And like everybody is in need of your leadership. Mm. So you have to, it's, it's, it's heart centered. How do you speak to kooky? How do you speak to divisive? How do you lead a divisive person? You have to love them. How do you lead someone who vilifies you? You have to love them. But, and you also have to love the system. So academically, someone could come in and say, we're just going to love the pedophiles. We're just going to love the obstructors of justice. Well, yes, we are. And we are, you know, so we're going to pray for their soul and compassionately respond to what needs to be done. And leaders love, have to love on and lead the whole collective. So what's best for the collective is you protect the collective from the darkness, from the pedos, from the, you know, from the the criminal activity. It doesn't mean, you know, because I have this, you have this conversation with, you know, hyper intellectual dude. They're like, we just let everybody on the street. I'm like, don't be an idiot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? you're like you're a bad dinner date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, what? We're just going to love all the pedophiles? Yeah. <laughs> like, right? Like, where do, you just want, you're just picking a fight. percent. That's the whole thing. Silly. Mm-hmm. Um, but leadership in this space, like, Everybody has a platform now. Everybody, we are the media now. Yes. And I think the responsible thing to do is like, first of all, to meditate, to do your work. It's the most powerful thing I do for my life and for my business is live a reflective life Mm. so that I have the patience to vet everything. I don't put anything, Mm. not, I would say I'm nine times out of 10, I've done my homework. I vetted. I know where this comes from. Um, and it takes time. So many of us want to rush in with solutions and data or a fucking meme that we don't see what it's connected to. And I also think part of leadership and doing, you know, having your spiritual practice gives you the courage to have a voice. Because if you're going to lead, you were going to get pushback. It's part of standing up. Something's going to create tension for you. It's creative tension. And you might collapse. And like, that's okay. 
you don't have to save the world, but really you want to be able to stay the course. And also, this is my final point about leadership. You have to lead with your authenticity, meaning you've got to be transparent. Transparent when you didn't get it right. Transparent that you're suffering. I think like one of the most useful things I could do right now is to say, I I suffer regularly, consistently, and intensely. <laughs> I also am to the same degree, if not more, enjoy and feel blessed. You know, I have a lot of fear that I have to constructively work with uh, every week. Mm. And I keep showing up mm. to that and, and to here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was beautiful. Went to Danielle Church <laughs> and it was beautiful. This is our church. This has been so lovely. What are you looking yeah. forward to? What can our community look forward to seeing or hearing from you in the next year? Uh, well, just in case we don't get to this in the end, I just want to say this was a great conversation mm. and I have a lot of respect and I'm and I'm so grateful to have this kind of expansive conversation. So I'm I'm so grateful. It oh. really lights me up. I feel Thank so energized. Yeah. Well, you're not done with us. We're going to find you. <laughs> okay. Everywhere you go, we're coming. We're coming to Vancouver. Uh, Thank you. Come to Vancouver, yeah. really, everybody. What I'm looking forward to is one day at a time. What I'm looking forward to is the age of enlightenment. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah let's, let's talk high level. Donnie. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> um, I am looking forward to... I have. I started a membership this year. It's called Heart Centered. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't an experiment. I started it very committed. And now that I've been at it for like eight or nine months, and now with the upheaval in the world, I'm just looking forward to like more friendship in that community. It just, it's the same kind of feeling here. I'm just like, I'm so grateful to have yes. wide-reaching conversations. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. I just got a puppy and I'm looking forward to just, I just look forward to everything with her. And, um, I got her because I wanted more. I I have a teenage son. It was, it was a wee thing, but I just wanted to just pour more love out. Yes. Mm -hmm. I wanted to smile more in these times. Yes. So I was just like, I'm going to find a rescue dog and just give her. I'm looking forward to people forgiving. Yeah. Mm. I'm looking forward to hopefully sooner than later, but a year from now saying we raised $500,000 and we've got 50 children, the formerly sex trafficked children in therapy and they're eating nutritious food. I'm looking forward to people getting rid of their pesticide laden front yards full of stupid cut grass and gardens. I'm looking forward to people getting to know their neighbors and I hope they do it now. Mm. Well, it can be done gracefully and not because of crisis, but I'll take, I'll take community because of crisis too, if that's how we come to it. Mm. And I just want to remind people, was the group that you work with Ally Global? Yes. Okay. Ally Global. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was so lovely. It was just the medicine we needed. And we're so grateful for you and your work and um, the way you show up and your intentionality and, you know, just your beauty. You're just a beauty too. Thank you. Just a true beauty. So thank you so much. This has been lovely. Likewise. Thank you to everybody listening. Oh, yes. Appreciate you. Bless. All right. We'll see you soon, Danielle. Bye. Bye. Danielle Laporte, everybody. So good. That was so good. <laughs> Dreams come true. <laughs> just yes. so you know. Thank you, Danielle. We really appreciate your time and your love. I just felt so much love during I that know, conversation. Same. I felt truly connected. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, DanielleLaporte.com. You can follow her on Instagram at Danielle Laporte. Her heart-centered membership is incredible. Yeah, we just really appreciate anyone who has come over from Danielle's fan base. We appreciate you being here. If you want to learn more, um, you can go to almost30.com. Some things to look forward to. We have our new Paradigm digital workshop series that we're continuing. And it's been so cool to be able to connect virtually and still go deep together. Mm -hmm. Coming up is our workshop with Kiki Robinson on learning tarot and channeling. She is our healer and we've just 
been really transformed by her. We love her so, so much. So if this episode inspired you, send it to a friend, make sure to subscribe so you get these powerful episodes in your inbox. And we want to thank our lovely sponsors of this episode, Saqqara, which has the best food delivery of them all. Go Macro Bars, which we truly love. Drops for healthy cleaning. I know. I love them. I know. Same. (laughs) I truly love them. Uh, That's how you know you're 33 when you're like, "Um, I love my detergent. (laughs) It's powerful. All right, guys. We love you so much. We'll see you on the next one. Love you. Bye.